Welcome to Ellas, a bi-weekly podcast made by Latinas for Latinas. We talk with talented, inspiring, and empowering women that are living their dreams and making a path for the next generation. I'm Brenda Hernandez. And I am Brenda DeShazer. And this is Ellas. And we're so happy that you're back on our eighth episode and we have a very special guest. You know, you're going to be so inspired and we're inspired already. And we want to welcome Bianca Mitsuku. Yay! Hi! Finally! (laughs) Finally! I know this took so long. Oh my God. Hi, everybody. A supermodel, because I'm going to call you that. Oh, thank you. No, you are. You're a supermodel. Thank you. I wish you guys were sitting in this presence, too, because she's like such a ray of sunshine. It's just so warm here. (laughs) And Bianca, she's one of the you know number one guest on the list pre-production of ellas and we're finally yes. having you we're finally gonna My schedule it's crazy, it's crazy but we're here but hey i know it, that mm-hmm. means you're you know very talented thank and you. busy model you're thank getting you. work yes. and that's what we want you. Yes. <laughs> <And> yes you know that's what we all desire and let's start you know we met through our for the, my last last job yes i was your stylist yes. for that day and you began talking to me and you mentioned that you were latina i was like oh my god i was so excited and then you told me that hey but i'm also asian and i'm also black yeah and you know that about her like looking at her we were like i thought you know i i was like hmm maybe like black and asian but like latina was like a lot of people think I'm Polynesian, actually, or Hawaiian. Oh, I could see that. Yeah, yeah, like I, or I just get, it's funny because when I walk in on, on a shoot or audition, they, they'll stare at me. And then I'm like, go ahead, go ahead and ask me. And they say, where are you from? And I go, Oxnard. And then they say, no, where are you from? And I go, oh, you mean like, what am I? And then they like, go, where are my yeah. Like, parents from? Yeah. Why? And what then, are they? Yeah. And then I have to tell them, break it down what I am. And they go, wow. Like it never fails. People are like, can't believe that that is even a mixture. Yeah. So, so for our listeners, yes. your dad and your mom, okay. what are their so ethnicities? My dad is half um, African American and um, Japanese American, and then my mom is uh, Mexican American, full Mexican American. Nice. And then you grew up with these three cultures. Yes. And you were telling us, you know, you grew up in Oxnard, California, and Oxnard is one of the cities where Cesar Chavez came during his uh, protest. And it's a very city with a lot of Mexican community of immigrants who are farmers. And how was that growing up? You know, you were obviously as I think as a person of color, we're always like questioned, like, what are you? And you were always questioned, you're always told, no, you're not enough of being a Latina, you're not enough Asian, or you're not not enough like African American. Like, yeah. How was that? It was hard because I have, okay, so I have two sisters and we all went to school together and we literally had to fight to to fit in mm-hmm. like uh we didn't fit in with the mexican crowd we didn't there wasn't really an asian crowd they were probably uh, like mm-hmm. somewhere else <laughs> on campus. i'm not gonna say where but um and then there was the african-american crowd and um 
either so on our campus like the mexicans were either hardcore cholo and you had to be down for the barrio <laughs> or the, or you're not like yeah. and we were like whoa we're no, not, we're not. There. <laughs> like this is not american me we're not going yeah. over there and then then we have the african-american crowd which we kind of like we kind of shifted honestly toward there and uh that's kind but we also weren't fully accepted in that in that group either like i remember they would be they would say stuff about our hair why you know our hair looked different and or you're not you're not black so you can't say this you can't say that or you can't act a certain way you can't dress that or or dress in that outfit um because you're not you're not fully black you're only a little bit you know so we got picked on a lot because of how we looked and then um if we dated a black guy um, oh God, we, we heard it from everybody. And so it was just like, you know, we weren't accepted from really growing up from, from anybody because we were like, if a Latin, the Latinos at our school saw us hanging out with the black kids, they would get upset. And so we were just like, man, so thank God I was an athlete. So I kind of could go hang out with athletes, but for my sisters, I know like they just like kind of struggled, like didn't really know where to go. So it was hard because we didn't really identify with, um, one specific culture um, we tried to just kind of stay in the middle yeah. and you know we were friendly to everybody but it was hard because like we didn't like uh, have a true culture that we identified with you know we didn't practice any like traditional cultural things and you know I didn't like go to my grandma's house and make a certain specific food with her like you know it was very just pretty like American it was pretty like simple and just in the middle, yeah. you know, like it wasn't really one thing. And you, you were mentioning before the show, and I think it's important to talk about in, in the podcast, your mom's side, family decided to assimilate and, you know, put their traditions behind and just be American. And I feel yes. like a lot of immigrants do that in order yes. to not to be survive. judged, to, yeah, survive. to survive. It's not yeah. even, yeah, Sorry. it's not even like a thing where you want to be like ashamed uh, of your culture. But back then it was all about surviving in America. And I know that my mom's family decided to be more on the American side. And um, they, you know, they wore like the name brand clothes and they uh, wore, drove fancy cars and my grandfather owned a lot of restaurants and they were pretty wealthy. And, you know, they got picked on for that too because they were like the rich girls in town and they were in Riverside, which is also a very highly Latino populated um, city. And so, uh, from Rubido. Um, and so they, got you know got into a lot of fights too my mom would always tell me that they were always fighting with the other like latino girls and stuff like that the the groups because like they were like the too the rich bougie. girls yeah they were too bougie like they had, my mom would be rocking around with furs and chanel and stuff like that and and they would get picked on because they were like the the sandoval sisters and so but they, it was just very like you know too it was too bougie basically sad right because yeah. you're rejected by the americans yes but mm -hmm. you're also rejected by your community because yeah. you're too you're too well off you have to yes. be a certain economic class yeah. to be accepted and that's again like people don't want their own community to be successful and yeah. to grow in their own way it's, yeah. yeah and you growing up as an athlete you found basketball yes how was that were you also in a way you were judged before basketball, yeah. mm -hmm. but were you, were you judged once you decided that you wanted to go to school, get a scholarship for it? Um, I wasn't, I don't know if I was judged for that, but um, I was the first in my family 
to receive a um, bachelor's degree and to get a, a scholarship. Thank you. Yeah, I actually forgot about that. I was like, wait, hold on. Let me let me say that. Yeah, like, it was, also another accomplishment. Yeah, it was the first time I found me to receive a bachelor's degree, um, and um, so. And it's see, this is so hard because like you know how like with, when you have a, one culture that you identify with, mm -hmm. it's like they it, when you get like say a bachelor's degree or something like that, they it's so much different when you're like it's a cultural thing. And for me, like it wasn't, so it was just like okay, I was just the first to get a bachelor's yeah. degree, and it was just like okay, cool. Like it wasn't like oh, you're the first in our Latina family to get you know because we didn't like we weren't really close with our my mom's side of the family mm -hmm. like like uh, just a little bit but not a lot and um so it was it was just kind of like oh she you know she got her bachelor's degree so i didn't really get judged as far as that or even um playing basketball um it was kind of hard like traveling and stuff uh there was an incident uh we played against uh the university of oh no montana state mm -hmm. and i i think i fouled out the game and i don't know if you ever heard of montana state but there's a lot of racism there and it's a lot of um, Caucasian people there. It's, yeah, I'm gonna say Caucasian. <laughs> and it's like, so in the, I think the stadium was holding like 15,000 people. So imagine you're like this little pepper in a sea of salt and you're like, and so I, I fouled out of the game. And when I was leaving, when I was walking out of the, uh, to go to the bench, this, this guy uh, stands up and he goes, that's what you get, you effing, n-word he called me the n-word wow. and i literally lost it i lost it like i literally tried i tried to jump over the bench and oh my god i don't even know what happened and i remember my coaches um who were caucasian they they were very upset with me and i like, and like, like what are you doing yeah <laughs> and i'm like no he called me the n-word you don't understand and then they they we, we i remember we mm -hmm. argued for a long time like even the next day they couldn't understand what I what that meant because they didn't see me as African American. So they're like, "Why do you care? Like, you're not you're not black. Why do you care?" I'm like, "I am. I am black." And then so like they didn't think I should be that upset that he called me that because I wasn't physically or uh, my appearance wasn't of African American. So why do I care? But I'm like, no, just I am Mexican, black and Japanese. And so he called me the N word, whether I was or not, he called me the N word. Yeah. It's still offensive. And it's something that shouldn't be accepted. And it, I was very upset because it, I felt like nobody had my back. And I, I was literally like looking like, you know, the crazy girl jumping over the bench to attack somebody because they called me the N word and nobody understood, you know, why. Yeah. Yeah, like why I did that. And I feel like when you're surrounded by Caucasian people, they don't know the gravity and the consequences that it affects mm -hmm. you as a person and your community. Yeah. And so you left Oxnard, but I wanna like how, what, what for our listeners, what school did you go to? And did you also experience it like in each, in your school, in your, in your um, college or in each game that type um, that region? I went to uh, Cal State University Northridge, and um, honestly, that that was really the only game. After that, I didn't experience anything as far as like uh, any racial issues or any racism. That was really it. And then after that, um, I think my coaches, after they seen how upset I was, I think they 
it took them a while to understand like what how that affected me and like why I got so upset. But after that, I didn't have any any other problems with anything like that. Yeah. And um, I I want to talk about the degree that you know you had yes. like uh, mm-hmm. what you were you were doing basketball, but you decided to study um, deaf studies. Deaf mm-hmm. studies. And how? What made you decide that? Like Honestly, I know you. Typical athlete being lazy. So when I was in high school, I failed all of my classes, all of my uh, foreign language classes. Mm -hmm. And I thought that I was going to get a scholarship purely on my talent until they were like, no, no, no. You have to have your grades together, too. And I was like, what? Okay. So I had realized that I failed like four years of foreign language. And they were like, we're sorry, Bianca, you're like, you're not going to get a scholarship. And I was like, no, like th- there has to be some way. And I remember I was walking in the hallway and there was a flyer and it said uh, American Sign Language, sign up, new students. Uh, the first 10 students will get credit for two years if you take a semester, just a semester. So you'll get credit for two years. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, my God. And I didn't know American Sign Language. I had no idea what that was. And I didn't even know that was existed. And then so uh, but the only downside was that it was going to be after school at an adult school mm-hmm. and it was going to be like at nighttime. So I had to figure out how to get there and had to like take the bus and everything. So that's what I did for the, the last year of my senior year. I took uh, American Sign Language. And then so that worked out. I got my scholarship. And then when I got to Northridge, um, we found out that uh, Cal State Northridge has one of the biggest uh, sign language programs in the world. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, well, might as well just keep going with it. <laughs> and then there was a there was a boy on the basketball team who was also deaf, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is like this is crazy because we we're both on the we we're both playing basketball. And then so I would ask him if he could tutor me, and then so we would like tutor in the library, and he would teach me how to sign and everything. So I decided, you know what? And I didn't have to take math. Which I was like, I'm down for. Yeah, I do that. I would have majored in that too. Yes, because I sucked. I sucked at math, and I was like, man, anything to get out of math. And then I ended up liking it. And then also too, I just decided to focus um, on social work and community services because it was like I didn't want to completely focus on sign language, but I also wanted to focus in like doing community work or social services, something in that area. So thank God, like that was also a possibility for me to like do the sign language but focused on a specific area in that and for a time you were working in you know um with other deaf people and teaching them sign language so when i graduated college um i modeling had came up but i did not believe it yet like i thought that this was a joke like i was like okay i'm gonna have this on the side but i i still didn't think that this was a possibility Cause I'm like, come on, like this is, I'm Bianca. Like there's no way I'm gonna become this huge model or whatever. So I uh, applied for a job at this company called Co-Vocational and it's a a day program for adults with uh, developmental disabilities. So anywhere from autism, Down syndrome. And I had a few of my clients were uh, hard of hearing or deaf. I had one client that was deaf and blind. Mm -hmm. And then so basically my job was uh, to help them find jobs, um, help them get into school, into college, um, help them with like their money management, help them find apartments, uh, to, to basically help them develop themselves into being independent. Yeah. Um, because uh, 
they didn't have any other resources uh, or their families had struggled to, to help them find work um, because of their disability. So that was my job. And I stayed there for four years. But while I was there, I was like calling out sick for photo shoots. And then my, my boss was like, why are you always sick? <laughs> and I was like, um, I was like, oh, okay, I have something to tell you. And then she was like, she had already knew because she had seen me a couple times, like in the store, like my picture in the store and everything like that, but she didn't say anything. And then, um, so I was like, okay, I'm, I'm kind of a model. And she was like, yeah, I know. And I was like, oh, you do? And she was like, yeah. And then I was like, yeah. Um, um, yeah, so, I mean, if you want to let me go, um, I understand, you know, and then she was like, you know what, let me talk to the, the people um, in HR and let me see what we can do. You know, I can't promise you anything. And I said, okay, you know, and at that point I was like, anything, you know, because I was honestly still scared to leave that job because, like I said, modeling is such a, it's like a, a risk. Mm -hmm. You're risking you know, losing money and you're risking like your time and everything. And so you like, you're putting your life on the line basically. And so like she came back and she said, you know what? Um, they said that you can be part-time and, and we'll like work out your hours. So basically whenever I would leave, I just wouldn't get paid. So before I had like paid time off when I would leave for photo shoots, but now like I wouldn't get paid and everything. So then eventually modeling got so good for me that I had to make a decision to leave. Yeah. The other job. And then that's when I became a full-time model. And I've been that for the past like six years, I've been full-time. Thank you. Yeah. Back, like, because modeling is your baby. You built this like mm -hmm. career for yourself. Um, but I think it's also funny how you came across yeah. modeling or how you came into it. So can you tell our listeners like yeah. how that happened? <laughs> yeah. So um, I I was playing college basketball at Cal State Northridge, and um, my senior year I tore my ACL, and um, I had a surgery, wasn't successful. Had another surgery, wasn't successful. Had a couple smaller surgeries um, because there was a lot of tissue built up in my knee. And um, my surgeon finally told me, I remember the last surgery, he was like, I think you're honestly going to have to consider hanging up your jersey. And I was like, what? Because basketball was my whole life. I woke up to it. I fell asleep to it. It was my everything. Basketball was my baby. And it was something that I remember I would write in my journal every day, like, I would have to die before I quit playing basketball. I used to write that all the time. And I was uh, getting ready to go play uh, overseas. Mm -hmm. And then um, that once my career was over because of my injury, they said, you know, that's not gonna happen. So I had to kind of figure out what I was gonna do. And I knew I had my degree and everything. But my coach called me in the office and we they had been, they used to always joke that I was like the model on the team and stuff like that. But um, so he, you know, he asked me like, is there anything I could do? Is there any, I, you know, I have connections in different places, you know, what do you want to do? And I was like, I don't know, you know, I guess I'm gonna have to become a model. Like, you know, and then he was like, that's not a bad idea. And I was like, no, I was just kidding. And he goes, no. And then he was like, no, seriously, like we should, we should consider this. And they were like, well, you'd be considered a plus size model. And I was like, what the hell is a plus size model? And they were like, like for larger size women. And at the time I had an eating disorder. So that kind of made me feel like, hey, like, what are you talking about? I remember I got so sad. I think I remember I went and had a little episode later on that night because I, I didn't know I was considered, like, large in the fashion industry. And it kind of made me feel insecure. But then, 
like he was like no no it's it's like honestly like it's it'll be good like you don't you have no idea and i honestly had no idea what was about to happen to my life and then um he looked up a couple agencies found natural models which is um the agency that i'm with and it just so happened that the owner of natural models katie wilcox um she had just opened her agency, she was a model that came from Ford Models, and she decided that she was gonna open up her agency. And so there was a few girls on her board, and then I went in to meet her, and it was just kind of like, you know, I remember I came in a little rough around the edges, and she was like, okay, we'll get back to you. And then I'm like, okay. And then, you know, they didn't offer me a contract right away. I remember I used to always be like, so am I gonna get a contract, you know? And then um, it took them like about a, like a, a year. And then finally um, they said, you know, okay, we would like to offer you a contract. And so I signed and I've been with them ever since they, for eight years I've been signed to them and I'm one of like th I think maybe there's four or five of us that have been signed with them that long and everybody else is pretty new but yeah so like we're pretty you know I'm loyal to them they're loyal to me and we have a mutual respect and love for each other and um, you know I'll always have their back you know for everything because they've completely changed my life and so yeah it's all up there mm -hmm. yeah you had this eating disorder, you had bulimia, mm -hmm. yes. and this was during college, your college this was years? High school. This started in uh -huh. high school, and it was all throughout my college years. So what I would do is, basically, I would like binge eat, and um, so I wouldn't eat all day, and then I would go home and literally, there was McDonald's, there was Taco Bell, and everything all together, like, and I would just eat it, and then I would make myself throw up. And then, um, so I would do that every day. Or sometimes, like, during practice, I would ask my coach if I could go. I would put a dollar in my bra, my mm -hmm. sports bra. And then I would ask my coach if I could go use the restroom. And he'd be like, yeah, sure. And then, uh, so I would go run to the vending machine, grab, like, a bag of Hot Cheetos, and be like, oh. And then I would go to the bathroom, throw it up, go back to practice. So that's what I was doing. And um, I was constantly weighing myself. Even if any chance I got to sneak away to go to the weight, we had this uh, training room that had a scale. And any chance that I could get to, to run, go weigh myself. It was funny. I would weigh myself before practice, and then I would weigh myself after practice. And then I, I would like probably lose like a, one pound, but that was probably like water weight. Like, but I didn't know that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I would be like, damn it. Like, you know, and so I was constantly weighing myself, constantly throwing up. But then when, when I became a plus size model, it literally, like, one day I woke up and I was like, damn, I, I'm getting paid to look like this. Like, people want me to look like this and and people love that it look like this and i remember i would be on shoots and they and like when i walk in and the styles would be like yes honey and i would be like yes serving body and i would be like what like really and like yeah and like they would compliment my body and i would be like oh like you know and it literally i snapped out of it i stopped throwing up i stopped weighing myself i haven't i have not weighed myself in eight years i have god knows how much i weigh but and even if i saw it because i'm probably up there now but if i saw it I, it wouldn't bother me like i just don't care about it anymore like i eat you know a pretty like decent healthy diet but there's times where i eat crazy and it just doesn't like i don't care yeah. like it doesn't bother me anymore yeah, yeah you have like mm -hmm. You're like a really successful model. You're yeah. modeling for Fenty Beauty products. You're modeling in CoverGirl. Yeah. yeah, and like you have these great working relationships with all these other big businesses. Yes. And I think that's something to really be proud of. And like 
flaunt it girl like yeah. own yeah. it <laughs> oh yeah like it's definitely gave me a whole nother level of confidence but in a healthy way mm -hmm. um and it like even my family like they they tell me my i have a twin sister and she like what? yes that's my girl <laughs> yeah that's my best friend um but she like tells me she hypes me up every day like when i even when i left here she's like damn girl that ass is fat and i was like <laughs> i know <laughs> and she's like she hypes me up all the time but she's always just like you're just so like when you walk in a room you're like boom and I'm like, I know, thank you. But before I would be like all insecure and just like quiet to myself. I didn't know how to dress. Like you would never see me wearing this outfit like 10 years ago. No way, no way, no crop top or anything like that. That's definitely yeah. like, that's so cool and empowering yeah. and that I definitely want to talk about because um, before we were talking about like models, like they go from zero to two and then like in between is like yes. two and up to like Eight, eight, nine, yeah, ten. Eight, <laughs> ten, yeah. The, uh, anywhere from like three and like eight and ten in between that, you're considered like an in-between model. And then zeros and twos is considered like straight size. And 14 and up, 14 to 18. But now we're, they're starting actually to shoot um, a little of the larger size plus size models, which is great. It's called, they're calling it size inclusivity. And um, so they started, like, there'll be, on my shoes, there'll be uh, size 20 models now. So that's pretty dope. Like, they're starting to include a different range of plus size models. Because yeah. before it was only like 12s, 14s, and 16s, and strictly that. And so thank God, I, like, I had fit in that. So I was working a lot, but now, you know, they're starting to open up more. But for the girls that are in between from like eight, and down like to three like I like I've I feel for them because like I don't know w how or where the, the work is coming from because there's really not a lot of work for them but hopefully in time that'll change and it'll just be kind of like a normal thing yeah. you know for any size to be represented in in this fashion yeah. industry yeah that um oh yeah like i wanted to ask too like you seem like a really like strong personality like yeah. <laughs> you got this hype man too mm -hmm. and like i feel like you're very comfortable with your body yes but um for our listeners like that do want to get into modeling what kind of tactics or what kind of tips or help do you would you tell them into like going into an industry where it's um people judge you for your body of like you need to look like this or you need to like gain more weight you need to lose more weight or like can you do more of this or Yes. Yeah, I would say definitely um, if, if like say if an agency is telling you to make a drastic change and it honestly in your heart doesn't feel right, mm -hmm. then just don't do it. Um, try a different avenue or a different agency. And if they're all telling you the same thing, then maybe, you know, you could try it. It really just has to depend on like how how it's coming across like my agent is very honest like she'll tell you straight up like you know you need to cut your hair and she knows it's something yeah <laughs> Woo, girl Woo. yeah she'll like or you need to cut your hair or this but it'll be if somebody's coming in with like 40 inches long then that's like that's not really gonna be doable like in the industry because um you know they want like maybe like your hair to be like 14 inches long maybe 16 but just like i don't know just coming in um have, you have to feel it in your heart like you have to feel it this does this feel right what they're telling me and um you know because sometimes there it, it, it might be a drastic change that they want you to do but as long as it's healthy and it makes you happy too then do it but if it doesn't make you happy then 
then you're never going to be happy and express that to to that person that's telling you you know what changes need to be done say look this isn't going to make me happy and then if you guys can't find a solution then then probably try something else but don't feel like pressured um to do a certain thing if it's if it's not making you happy um unfortunately i have a great agent that hasn't told me to change anything about me um i had to gain a little bit of weight but it was like uh, probably like 10 pounds 15 pounds but i probably put on a little bit more but uh she didn't come up to me and say you need to completely change your look or whatever uh so I'm, I'm fortunate, but I know there are some companies and some agencies that are a little bit more strict and are like, no, you have to do this. I mean, honestly, it's a gut feeling that you have to take a chance on. And, and I mean, you can try it to take to make a change or whatever and see how it goes. But at the end of the day, if you're not happy, then you can leave the situation. Mm -hmm. And I think it's it's like unfor it's unfortunate, right? But it's different, like straight models. Yeah and plus size models yes. and i feel like now in this age we're seeing much more uh size inclusivity yes. towards plus size models yes. and i was i always talk to you on instagram oh. <laughs> you know that yeah. but <laughs> i was reading like one of the people that is making a change and that is being inclusive is fenty is rihanna yes. and with her lingerie yes. you know and can you Tell us a little bit about that process, how it came to be. And I think it's great, you know, to show a diverse selection of pieces and people. Yeah. How, how was that process? It was honestly one of the most humbling experiences I've, mm -hmm. I've ever had. Because when they first initially booked me, it was for what they call unrecognizable photo shoots. So that means that your face is not going to be in it. And that means that it's just going to be your body. And also it's a lesser pay. Um, so it's harder. It's And it's also going to be a harder shoot just because they have to. It's very detailed and they have to get every um, piece of the garment. So you're basically standing there half naked for a long time. And um, I remember that day, I think I it was one of those shoots where I went home and I cried be just because it was like physically exhausting yeah. and it was like damn like and I remember thinking I don't know if they're gonna call me back after that because that was a crazy shoot like and I remember like feeling defeated mm -hmm. but I remember I didn't give up and I remember that um I was excited that she was do even doing this that Rihanna was even coming out with this laundry line because at the time it wasn't known that it was Rihanna's line it was like a secret and so like they were still trying to test the waters out and see how everything went and then so uh it came out and everything like that and then like a few months later um I got booked for a recognizable shoe which is like now my face is gonna be in it and so I remember I felt like damn like that's like it came full circle because I remember I was like crying like oh my god like that was like so physically exhausting and then like my reward was to be recognized yeah. in the shoe basically and then I also did a little something else with her but I can't say oh my god yes okay I know so it's coming out in October that's all I can say um yes stay tuned um but no so like it just like you know being able to work with Rihanna and because she's all about like rebellion mm -hmm. and she is like, she's so diverse herself and she's like always daring and doing crazy things. And, and so like 
she's like representing everybody so it was dope to to be able to shoot with her a company and her clothing line and to be represented in that way so yeah that was that experience thank you so for other um other uh latinas other um asian americans other african americans what advice do you have to give to them that want to go into this industry um i would just say because a lot of times like people want to say like oh well don't be don't be ghetto or don't be you know don't be yourself like be you got to be you know conservative or whatever but you got to be conservative to a point that'll get you in the door and then once you feel comfortable i would say definitely be yourself because that's what's been working with me as far as like being able to keep the clients that i have um i remember when i first started i was very quiet and i was very shy because i was scared to be myself i was scared to be who i really was and um i think that's all my cultures molded together and it's i'm like this big burst of craziness and like I was scared to talk and I would keep quiet and my agent would get calls from some of the companies say you know Bianca was a little quiet today you know if you want to tell her you know she needs to be a little bit more social and I was like scared to talk because I didn't want the wrong thing to come out of my mouth I didn't want because I curse a lot and like <laughs> I say crazy things and I didn't want the wrong thing to come out of my mouth and so um, I would just say that like you know definitely keep your eyes and ears open and and observe like I did a lot of observing in the beginning and then know when the right time is to kind of just be yourself and um <clears throat> you gotta just kind of like just just do it and just be yourself and like come out of your shell and don't be afraid about what other people are gonna judge you for because honestly when I'm myself it's funny, like a lot of the clients are like, oh my God, I'm so happy you, you said that. Or I'm so happy that you were, you were like that today because it made me so happy and it made me feel so comfortable and relatable to you. And I'm like, really? Like I just shot with this photographer in Sweden for this company, for the Swedish company. And he was from um, the UK. And so he, after the shoot, he went, give me a high five. <laughs> And I was like, nah, we bring it in over here. And, you yeah. know, and I was like, I gave and I gave him a little dab. And then he was like, he was kind of like, whoa, like took him back and he was shocked. And then I was like, what? I'm like, what? And then he was like, he goes, you're so bloody scary, but I love it. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. And I was like, we, you know, should we shake over here? No high, no high five. And then, and then he was like, you're just like, you're so scary, but like, I love it. Like, it's like crazy. You make me feel comfortable. And I was like, yeah, I'm like, yeah. Like, you know, just yeah. be chill. Like, you ain't got to be all uptight, you know. Just be yourself, and that's going to make uh, everybody else, like, radiate around you, and they're going to feel comfortable around you. Mm -hmm. And I like to share my personal stories at my shoots. I like to tell all the tea. I give you all the tea in my life, give you all the gossip. Yeah. Because, like, if you're always just so quiet and, like, just being, like, scared or you're not gonna have people relate to you or feel comfortable around you. And like, I want people to feel comfortable to tell me like what's going on in their lives. Cause I wanna give you my advice and then I, wa I wanna hear what you have to say about what's going on with me and stuff. And so um, definitely just don't be afraid to be yourself and just like, let it go. Just let it loose, let it be yourself. Yeah. Everybody don't be scared to be who you are and what you represent. Even if you wanna share your culture at the shoe or wherever you're going, um, just do it. You know, just say, this is how I was raised and like, you know, yeah. do you like it? <laughs> yes, no. <laughs> and I think that's great because if we weren't so open 
during work shoot. It would be dry. Yeah, it'd be dry. It'd be one boring ass shoot. Uncomfortable mm-hmm. and weird. That you were saying that like yeah. it all depends on your personality yeah. and it's not only based on your looks. Yes. And no, you gotta bring. You gotta. You gotta be somebody that's relatable. Mm-hmm. Like you have to make people feel like man this girl makes me feel like i could say what's really on my mind yeah. some people tell me that too they go you're you say what i'm thinking and i'm like and i'm like yeah just yeah and like things you say it does make you feel relatable i'm like oh my god i could talk to her about this i could talk <laughs> yeah. about that like i feel comfortable yeah. like telling you like tell anything <laughs> yeah like they'll they'll say to me like like i want to say what you're saying but i'm scared to say that and i'm like what's the worst you're gonna do get fired okay <laughs> Go find another job. That's it. Like, just be yourself. Yeah. um, For speaking out into, like, our younger crowd or even, like, the moms that are listening and um, even, like, to your younger self, what advice would you tell your younger self? Oh, my God. My younger self was so emo. Oh, my (laughs) God. I was so, like, insecure and depressed. But, like, I would tell my younger self to just chill out. It's all good. Um, That there's going to be someone... That, or I would say to myself that you're going to make people believe that it's okay to be who you are one day. Mm-hmm. And I'll be like, just chill out. It's all good. Because I remember I was always just like, oh, my God, like, I got to fit in. I got to, like, be skinny. And, and like, I got to look a certain way. And it's like, man, if I knew back then that I was going to be getting paid to look how I look and for my body or to, to be the type of woman that I am that, or not even just getting paid, but that women and young girls were going to be looking up to me because of how I look and, and everything like that. I, I, I kind of don't want to tell my younger self to change. I kind of want to tell my younger self to still be the same because I think that this wouldn't have happened. Like I wouldn't have been here. So I would have just said, you know, just chill out. It's all good. Like, don't even stress. Everything is going to work out. I wouldn't have changed anything that happened, though. I would have gone through everything I went through because this moment, you know, wouldn't have happened. Me being here, even talking to you guys, that this wouldn't have happened. And so, yeah, that's the advice I would give. Oh, oh my gosh. I'm a philosopher. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Next thing, book. Like, we are making a book. Book signing. Oh my God. My my twin was teasing me before I came here, and she was like, so what are you going to say? Um, um, so I have a clothing line and um, um, co- at me at Bianca Mitsuka. And I was like, shut up. Oh, you're like, you're so stupid. No, but yeah. Well, speaking of where to find you and if anybody wants yes. to connect with you, how did they like find you? Um, my Instagram is mostly where I'm active. I don't, I don't have a Twitter or anything like that. So I'm at Bianca Mitsuko, M-I-T-S-U-K-O. That's my Japanese middle name. So yeah, because some people are like Mitsuko and I'm like, yeah. My grandmother named me that, so I love it. yeah. <laughs> yes, you shared me the origin and the meaning, yes. and so beautiful mm-hmm. to our listeners with uh, Mitsuko. with what Mitsuko means. And oh, yes. your twin sister also. Yes, yeah. my twin sister and my older sister. We all have um, um, Japanese middle names, and uh, so my name is uh, Mitsuko, and it means uh, child of light, uh, child of many blessings. Which is so crazy that my grandmother gave me that name because. It means like the child is in the spotlight and they're they're radiate 
or light is radiated around them all, at all times. And it's funny because I'm in the position that I am. Yeah. And I'm like, damn, Grandma, that was deep. <laughs> like she, <laughs> she knew. knew. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but I also found out that that was my great grandmother's uh, first name. And so she gave that to me, but she chose specifically like each granddaughter whose name, I don't know what my sister's names mean, but Misumi and uh, Kumiko is my other sisters. And my, this is so funny, my mom, um, I have, my brother has a different dad, but his dad is also black and Japanese, wow. which is rare and funny. <laughs> yes, she had a type, she had a type, yeah. So his, uh, I think his middle name is Shiguru. So um, yeah, so we all got middle names that are Japanese and so, so cool. mm -hmm, yeah well me and Brenda definitely want to personally thank yes. you so much course, and you. I know if our listeners could say it they would definitely say thank you for sharing your yes. story no, with I us I just want to be honest and keep it real with you guys because I, I know sometimes like when when we're having these conversations it's like what do I say do I say Caucasian do I say white do I say African-American you know just girl yes no I know it's hard and then you feel awkward when you say it too because I just like in the normal conversation I just say white I would say black um, but yeah like this is a place where just be comfortable and it's nothing against any other races or anything like that like we're it's all love here um, we're all here to unite and speak about our experiences, and I think that's important that that's said. And yeah, that's why we're here speaking, and that's a platform that we're gonna use. Yeah, yeah. Thank so you, thank you yeah, for of course. Know everything, and we're so happy for your su success. And thank we know you. you're gonna, you know, from here on out, we're gonna see you oh, on like runways. I'm trying. Yeah. You know what? I'm trying. It's been eight years, and a lot of the stuff that's happening now took me that mm -hmm. long to get like Savage Fenty, this took, that yeah. took me that long. Like all those little ratchet shoots I was doing <laughs> and to get to this point, you know, to, it took me that long to come here. So it's all a process. It's not gonna happen overnight. Yeah. And um, yeah, just enjoy the journey. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. Thank you guys. Yeah. We would love once your schedule is clear to have you back yes. again, share your story, yes. share more of your success. Thank you. And Thank you for listening to another episode of Ellas. Please follow us on Instagram. It's Ellas the podcast. That is E double L A S the podcast. And also, if you want to ask some questions, if you want to be a guest on our show, because we would love to hear your story and talk with you, send us an email at Ellas the podcast at gmail.com. And follow me and Brenda as well. Yeah, <laughs> underscore hi is j-a-i and mine is at b andy so b-e-e -E dot a-n-d-i and also we would love for you to leave a review uh give us a star at apple Podcasts because that organically helps oh, us or five stars or yes five Not stars a star give me five <laughs> like dang girl whatever give us more credit, more credit. <laughs> leave a review share this podcast with your friends and family because that will help you help other listeners find a guest and you know listen to more stories and feel inspired to continue on their path of their with their passion so you know if you like that, if you like this podcast, please let other people know about it. And thank you for listening. We'll talk again very soon. And that's it. <laughs> I'm Brenda DeShazer. And I'm Brenda Hernandez. And this is Ella. Ellas is co-hosted by Brenda DeShazer and me, Brenda Hernandez.
Thanks to our editor and producer, D.F. DeShazer II. And thank you to Shro, who created our theme song. This is a yes. Cool. Cool. Yes.